0: Okay, so hey, and welcome back to the Branded Podcast. So this week I have a really special guest, Zach Iskol. Now Zach is the founder of Grid North. Grid North is really a group of companies specifically focused on veterans and giving veterans new and interesting opportunities that they perhaps would not have otherwise. Um, and, and the reason why this sh- episode is special is, as I touched on in the episode with Zach, is that. We often as brand and design and product people seek to derive purpose. We try and find it. Whereas Zach and Grid North, I mean purpose is really at the center of everything that they do. It's it's something that doesn't have to be found, it's just so uh, apparent. It's it's sort of the, the nucleus of um the, the whole the whole endeavor. So that's why on this whole episode, uh, you'll, you'll see, and you'll rather you'll hear, um, how Zach thinks about, uh, purpose and building that into a company and how to not only tell that story, but also how that is imbued in the product itself. Um, so it's an incredibly interesting episode and not to mention the incredible insights that come out of, um, also spending time in, in um the military and doing something of such um such rigor. So uh and how those lessons can be applied to, to business and brand and product. Um so with that, enjoy the episode. I'm sure that you will um, take away many, many things.
1: Hi, Zach. Uh thank you so much for, for taking the time to speak with me. So um it's an honor really to have you on the show to speak, uh, to speak about, you know, building brands and products. Now, now this episode is, is especially exciting because often um, I seek brands to speak to or the brands that I speak to are imagining or designing a purpose or a mission within their brand to kind of galvanize um, others. Now, well, with you and, and Grid North and its accompanying brands, uh, a sense of purpose is really, you know, embedded in the DNA uh, of those brands. So so with that, um, the first question is really, tell me about yourself and your journey to building uh, Grid North and the accompanying brands like Task and Purpose and Higher uh, Purpose.
2: Absolutely. Uh, so first off, Jordan, thank you for having me on. Um, this, is a, this is a great opportunity to talk about something that I'm passionate about, not just my company, but the military and veterans community. Um so the journey of building Grid North uh it really started um and it's sort of tough to believe this about 15 20 years ago uh so I was commissioned into the Marine Corps on uh, August 11th 2001 so exactly 1 month before 911 and uh I had really um some extraordinary opportunities during my time in the Marines that were um somewhat entrepreneurial I uh I had the opportunity to build One of the, or probably the first successful Iraqi military unit in Iraq's Al Anbar province in 2004, which was the most violent part of Iraq, Um, and the only uh, combined Iraqi and and U.S. Marine Corps unit to fight on the the front lines of the Second Battle of Fallujah. And then when I got back from that deployment, I went and was uh, sent to a a team that was helping to build uh, the first Marine Special Operations Unit. And my last job in the Marine Corps as part of that team or that command was building the recruiting, screening assessment and selection program for, for Marine Special Operations, which is essentially like, how do you go out, find active duty Marines, put them through a uh, a screening process, a very, very rigorous assessment and selection course, uh, and at the end state select people for our, our special operations units in the in the Marine Corps. Um, and then fast forward, after I got out a couple of years later, I wanted to start a business um, I'm Jewish, in Judaism, the highest form of charity is helping somebody find a job. I had a background in assessment and selection and recruiting from my time at MARSOC, and so I figured I could start a business that helps um, companies hire military talent. And one of, one of the other things that I saw at that time was I had a lot of um, Marines um, who I'd served with uh, who were getting out of the service, and they were... I wouldn't say they were struggling, but they were they were having difficulty in figuring out what to do next. They were having difficulties with employment, and uh, these Marines were some of the most remarkable people I'd known in my life. Um, They were, um, you know, 18, 19 years old, leading Iraqi soldiers, training them, learning the language, um, doing things well beyond anything they'd learned in boot camp or the School of Infantry. Uh, they were, you know, building a special operations unit out of scratch. And um, what I realized is that these were extraordinary men, also some women, but mainly because I was was in the infantry and special operations at the time, it was primarily all men. Um, And that some of the difficulties that they were having was less about The desire of companies to hire them, less about their abilities, and more about the fact that there was a massive knowledge gap between the military community and the civilian and employer community. And so for a lot of men and women who join the service, they dream their entire lives about joining the military. They don't really think about what comes next. And they're just not that familiar with uh, companies um, and with opportunities. How many of them have heard of a company like... Salesforce. Or yesterday, I uh, gave a presentation at the communications firm, PR communications firm, Edelman. How many veterans have heard of Edelman or know the roles there? There was a young woman uh, who works at Edelman who was a uh, intel analyst, and now she works social media. And there's a lot of tie-ins between what she does on the social media front and what she did as an Air Force intel analyst. And so, but I think there was a real knowledge gap. where we needed to increase the knowledge base that transitioning service members have about the opportunities that are out there for them. And so we founded that business that became higher purpose and uh, HIRE purpose. And we work with, uh, we've grown over the last four years, we launched in January of 2014 to now work with 20% of the Fortune 500, helping them hire military talent. and then you know uh and i'll try and keep the, the rest of the story relatively short so we can we can continue this conversation but uh, when we launched higher purpose we we started a blog it was really it was called higherpurpose.com backslash blog and we called it task and purpose um, and we had a really remarkable editor-in-chief named brian jones who served in the marine corps and it was really a source of traffic and lead generation for higher purpose but we saw that Some of the stories we were were writing were going viral. We started building a massive contributor network. We started to see a real community developing around the stories that we were publishing. And um, so about three months after launch, we decided to spin it out as a separate site. Um, And it's now turned into the leading digital lifestyle media site for the military and veterans community. Um, About two years after we spun it out, we get a call from the White House that President Obama wanted to write for us. A couple of months later, we got a call that John McCain wanted to write for us. Yeah, it was, it was sort of extraordinary. And I think they saw the value of the platform in reaching this community. And then uh, the final piece of the puzzle is a year ago, we had the opportunity to acquire an events business. Um, it's a big partnership with USAA, where we produce events around the country for military families and spouses. So we do about 18 events a year. USAA is our presenting sponsor, but we bring in other brands that want to connect in person with these communities. And so what we've developed through Grid North is we have three portfolio companies, Higher Purpose, the employment site, Task and Purpose, the lifestyle media company, and uh, Military Spouse Festivals, which is these in-person events. And so what we're able to do for the partners that we work with is if they reach out to us and they want to connect with this community, we are able to really listen to their needs, understand their requirements, understand what kind of scope they want to work within, and because we have these different um platforms, we're able to really design custom customizable solutions for them to uh interact and engage with this community.
1: So, so that's incredibly interesting and, and you know something that comes to mind for me is like this through line for the, the common denominator of really people like at the core of everything. Um, from the content that's being created and the the narrative that's being created and like that personal connection and thinking you know holistically through the whole journey that you sort of alluded to that led to this group of companies instead of just one. Um, and you also touched upon listening to needs and uh, and that to me sort of resonates or, or or makes me think about a deep understanding of people, which is core to building products and building building brands. So my my next question for you is. Um, How does your intimate knowledge of people, um, specifically military people, but what have you learned from uh, the military is, you know, often when we're in the, I don't want to use the word traumatic, but uh, intimate settings or where we're going through something difficult together as people, there's incredible bonds that are created. and you really learn uh, about yourself and about others. Um, and I'm curious as to how that has informed your building a product and your building a, a brands. and maybe what can other brands learn from this?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's a, it's a big question. So, um, there is, you know, whether you're speaking to veterans of an older generation or whether you're speaking to today's millennial veteran, um, there is, there is nothing that creates more of a, you, you know, the folks that I served with are my second family. Um, and, and that extends not just to third battalion, first Marine, um, but to, you know, as soon as you meet somebody who has served in more than the uniform, there's, you immediately have a connection to them. I'll just tell a quick funny story. We was I was visiting my wife's family up in New Hampshire, um, in the fall. And we, uh, we, we, at the time, we had an Audi. Um, we have three kids. They were sitting in the back seat, and we're pulling up to this gas station. It's a beautiful Sunday afternoon, and there's a huge motorcycle gang, probably about 50 guys, leather jackets, beards, Harley Davidsons, outside this gas station. And there's one parking spot right in the middle of these guys. And then there's another parking spot, like, across the, across the parking lot. And... uh I pull right up into the middle of the gang and my wife looks at me like I am crazy and I'm about to get our kids and my family killed. And I get out of the car and I can't open the door because there's this guy standing outside the door. who's literally, he's about six foot seven. And I crack the door open a little bit and I look at him, I'm like, excuse me, sir, do do you mind? I'm trying to get out. And uh, he turns around, he gives me a look. And when I had been driving up, I saw that a lot of these guys had Marine Corps patches on their on their leather jackets, and he had a Marine Corps patch on. So I get out of the car. He's sizing me up. He's kind of mean-mugging me. And I say, who are you with? I was with 3-1. And it turns out he was with one sex. I was with 3rd Battalion, 1st Marines. He was with 1st Battalion, 6th Marines. He gives me a big bear hug. He calls over his buddies who are Marines. My wife is looking at, like, is my husband in a motorcycle gang? Like, did I not know something about him? And um, but it's something that it's, you know, that experience transcends everything. And in a time when our country has never been more divided, you know, it it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. It doesn't that there's the things that um, what your political affiliation is, um, what your religion is, uh, there are that that shared sense of, of service and that time in the service, it really connects and, and, and bonds you. Um and and I think that's you know that's one of the things that also just drives us as a company is that we get to be a part of and represent this remarkable community that transcends um all of the di- the divisions in this this country.
1: Now you know other brands often talk about values um, and community and uh, things along those lines. And I just want to clarify, but it seems to me that um, more important than just articulating values or articulating community um, is this idea of shared experience and maybe trying to, I'm trying to pull out, you know, how, you know, what other brands maybe could learn. And in... From what I'm hearing, and I want you to uh, correct me if I'm wrong, or 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 your own opinion is that facilitating this shared experience amongst maybe customers or employees or what have you um, really could transcend into a shared uh, shared values or a shared community as opposed to operating from uh, the inverse where you're like saying, hey, these are our values, and then you know uh, trying to create community or something from there. Is that is that? More or less correct?
2: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, the, the military is, is it's the only job in the world where you're asked to take a bullet for somebody else, right? Like, it's, it's, right. and it's not just like you're going to take it like, you know, somebody on the team messed up and you're going to go into the boss's office. And I mean, it's literally take a bullet for somebody else. Um, yeah. You know, in terms of like shared values and, and brand and culture, I think that. Um, yes, there's shared experience. Um, I think for what what brands can just take away from that, though, is that, and I think this is often lost into, you know, the the social media and technology has made it incredibly easy for brands to reach people wherever they are. And for a couple years, that meant that you could be like a Jehovah's witness or a Bible salesman or an encyclopedia salesman who can knock on somebody's door and sell them an encyclopedia. And that's sort of like what, you know, social media as a direct to consumer um, response uh, tool enabled brands to do. And I think as that, as the industry evolves and as businesses evolve and as people sort of become more in tune to what's that, 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 this is what's happening on Facebook, or this is what's what's being asked to them, that people are knocking on their door to sell them a product. Brands that to, to really be successful and to truly be a brand, they need to sort of take a step back and focus less less on the bottom of the funnel conversion and much more on building community, building engagement, building a a real relationship with this audience. Um, you know, one of the things that we tell clients all the time is that, you know, we'll have people that reach out to us because they wanna do something on Veterans Day or you know, um, sometimes they wanna do something on Memorial Day. Um, and we tell them Memorial Day is the one time of the year that you shouldn't be offering discounts or deals for the military. That's not what Memorial Day is about. There's 364 other days of the year that you can show up for this community. But it's it's the brands that really connect well with this community like USAA is a great example. Starbucks is another one. They're ones that show up day in and day out, and they are consistently interacting with and supporting this community and being involved in the conversations. Sometimes having difficult conversations, but they they're they're always there, always present, not just there twice a year. And um, and I think that's something that that smart brands are are starting to recognize that they you can't just show up you know during Black History Month if you want to develop a relationship with the community you need to really develop a relationship and not just go knocking on their door once or twice a year.
3: What are the principles of a
1: relationship um, with regards to the community that you've you see seen?
2: What are the principles of the community or of building a relationship with the community?
1: Building a relationship with the community.
2: Yeah, I think, um, I think a lot of it is, is, you know, consistency. And consistency, uh, is hard work. Um, it's easy to come up with a a big idea, execute and be done. Um, but brands that are consistent in their approach and in their efforts, um, do really, really well. And so, you know, veterans might be in, were, were massively in vogue four years ago. Um, you know, and it's it's the ones that have really been successful though are the ones that it's not a trend. You know, building a relationship with this community is not just a CEO priority, but it's a priority of the business. Um, and and so I think that is the most important principle. I think the second one is is listening, um, and and not just speaking to the community, but really. Um, You know, and I I hate to keep citing them as an example, but I don't think there's a brand that does this better. And they are—they have built themselves through their relationship with this one community into a Fortune 100 company is USAA. So I had an opportunity to go to San Antonio and go to some in San Antonio. They have something that's like Mardi Gras called Fiesta. And so I had an opportunity to go to Fiesta with uh, some of the uh, USAA leadership. And I'm walking around, and they're holding these these events and parties. And I'm with some of the senior leaders from USAA and there's people who come up with them and they have an issue with their insurance or they had an issue with their banking or they um or they wanted to just say that they really appreciated something USA did with them. But these executives were 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 taking their time to um really listen to the concerns of folks that they were meeting in the community. They were giving them their business card. They were giving them sort of ways of following up directly with them, and some of these were C-suite level executives. Um, you know that is that's not a commitment that most brands have to a community. Um, so I think that's probably a great example. Um, another one that that sort of folks don't really think about a lot is CrossFit. You know, CrossFit early on developed these workouts of the day, and they have Workouts of the day that are called Hero WODs, which are named after uh, men and women who were killed serving our country overseas. The most famous of one is a workout called Murph, named after a Navy SEAL, um, which is a mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, followed by another mile run. But you know, in honoring the sacrifice of the fallen, in using the workouts of the day as a way of telling their stories and engaging the community they built up a massively loyal audience in the military. Um, And I think that also really helped CrossFit become the brand that it is today because if you have military service members and veterans who are adopting CrossFit in Fort Bragg and then they get transferred to Fort Polk or to Camp Pendleton or, you know, up to Quantico, Virginia, they're then taking CrossFit with them. And people at the gym are wondering what kind of workout they're doing and why they're in such good shape. And suddenly you have a viral effect from an audience that is is uh highly trans- transitory, you know, moving around a lot, highly engaged. Um and and so I think by doing something as simple as honoring the fallen, then they it also really helped CrossFit. Um and it was it was a true win-win and it wasn't um and and it was a wonderful way of honoring uh the sacrifice of of some of these men and women. <laughs>
1: Excellent, excellent answer. I have asked this kind of community question. It's the one that I try and ask all the time. But that was a excellent, excellent answer. So um, Why do we brand? Why do we brand? Or why do you think that we brand? Um, and is it important? Um, and sort of tethered to that question is how has your understanding uh, of brand and and sort of product as well um, evolved? Uh, after, if it has evolved after coming back from um, uh, your time serving.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. So I think um, I think for a couple years, and I sort of touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think for a couple years, companies were able to not really invest in brand because. B2B market or B2C marketing through Facebook and other social channels and enabled them to be very, very conversion focused. And, um, but I think that is slowly going away and it's slowly eroding. And instead, you know, Seth Godin says it best. a brand is a promise that you make and a promise that you keep. And it's, Absolutely. it's, it's, yeah, it's doing that hard work of keeping that promise. You know, if, there's no shortage of companies that say they're going to help hire thousands of veterans. But when they actually keep that promise over years, now they start to really develop a brand as a company like JP Morgan that actually has shown up for this community. Um, and, and so I think that's what it is. It just, it's, it, it takes a lot of time to develop that relationship. It takes a lot of effort. Um, and again, it's, you know, Whether you're talking about being a leader in an organization, even whether you're being talking about being a parent, or you're talking about being a brand, consistency is the hardest thing in the world. I mean, as a dad, I will tell you, like, when your kid is freaking out and having a temper tantrum, it is really hard in that moment to be consistent, right? To know that you want them to interact with the world a certain way, with kindness, with compassion, that you want them to be thoughtful, that you want them to treat people well, and it's really easy when a kid's having a, a complete temper tantrum and fit. To want to scream right back at them, but consistency is hard work, and you've got to, you know, you've got to be the person that you want them to be in that moment, no matter how challenging it is. And similarly for brands, you need to have an organization that is committed to that consistency.
3: Hmm. How has um so
1: it, it, from my sort of distant uh knowledge of the military um and uh, the, the people within the military i have sort of um i have really been aware of like the organizational structure um or i've tried to learn hermit in a way and I think it's interesting that you bring up this idea of consistency as it relates to organizational structure um and do you find any like patterns or any um uh any consistencies or any anything tethered to a certain type of organizational structure and the ability to be consistent day in and day out, um, and maybe with regards to brands, that could be like the organ organizational structure as it relates to like um, building product or, or or shipping product or always being on brand or or ha- developing relationship with um, customers. As you see that with with for example companies like Starbucks who give sort of autonomy to lower level employees, maybe that. Uh, they can develop better relationships with customers. So, um, yeah, just curious about organizational structure as it relates to this idea of consistency.
2: Yeah, that's a a really, really great question. So our media brand, Task and Purpose, uh, it takes its name from when you're given a mission in the military, you're given a task and you're given the reason for that task. Um, And the reason for that is often when we think about the military, we think about it as like, a bunch of a bunch of soldiers who just follow orders, right? They're told take the bridge, they go take the bridge. But what happens if they get out to the bridge and the bridge is destroyed or the bridge isn't there? What do they do next? Right. And, and oftentimes at that point in time, that 18 year old Lance Corporal who's at this river looking at a blown up bridge has more information than a general, right? And so who right. is better equipped to make a decision? Well, the Lance Corporal is at that point. And so what the what the military does um, is when you're given an order, you're given a task, take the bridge, but you're also given the purpose to keep the enemy from crossing the river. So when that Lance Corporal gets out there or that lieutenant or that sergeant and they see the bridge is destroyed, they then know, okay, my, my job isn't really to take the bridge. It's to keep the enemy from crossing the river. I know there's a shallow water crossing a mile upstream. I need to go defend that. Um, and... And then the way that that, that filters down is uh, when your unit is given a task, that becomes your mission. Um, and then you issue tasks to your subordinate units and those tasks that you issue to them become their mission. Uh, and I think some of the most effective businesses, um, you know, whether it's Google or Airbnb uh, or the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they use a system called uh, OKRs, Objectives and Key Results. And, right. object- and and those are very, very similar, right? You have a an objective, that's your mission. And then you have the key results, the things you need to do in order to accomplish that mission. Uh, and those key results become somebody else's mission. There's a ringable neck. There's somebody who's accountable to that. And in running our company, I think, you know, we operate very similarly. We, um, you know, we use objectives and key results, but it is... Very, very similar to the way that orders and missions are doled
1: out in in the military. That's that's amazing. The next question I was literally going to ask you is, you know, uh, in business, it's sort of measurement is vital. And how do you sort of measure um, uh, purpose or measure the things that are tethered to purpose? But OKRs are like something that I didn't think about that are that are right on. So that's amazing. Um, now. Uh, Past military personnel, as you alluded to earlier in this conversation, are truly extraordinary people, Um, from integrity to, you know, hard work, just visibly, right? Um, Now, with regards to higher purpose, uh, are there brands that are best suited um, for veterans? And sort of what I mean by that is... um, uh, like the values and and the kind of way of living or the way of being that you see uh, as common throughout veterans, do you see that in certain types of businesses? Maybe it's more B two B or more B two C or um, businesses that are are have um have a, a strong sense of purpose, like Patagonia or something like that. I don't want to put words in your mouth or anything like that, but uh, you,
3: perhaps you get the get the idea.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: so I think that there's,
2: um, certainly Patagonia is, is, is a great example of a, of a brand that has purpose. I think more though for the, 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 the military and veterans community or for, for the, the brands that want to hire them is this is a remarkable talent pool. And, you know, unemployment today is at 3.7, 3.8%, it's below 4%. So it's, it's gonna become an increasingly competitive job market, but you can. there is a consistent talent pool coming out of the military each year. 250,000 service members exit the military each year. And these are the best and brightest of a generation. There's, there's an amazing statistic that 76%, over three quarters of 18 to 24 year olds cannot join today's military because they don't meet the standards. They're either not educated enough they are not intelligent enough. They don't test high enough on the aptitude tests. They have uh, criminal histories or history of drug use, uh, or they're not fit enough. And so you were talking about the top 24% of young Americans who are leaving the service, 250,000 of them a year. This is a talent pool that every smart company should be tapped into. Now, there are some that, from a macro perspective, are a better fit than others. Um, but I think. At, people are always surprised at the military experienced and um yeah you know, and and the the number of military service members and what they've gone on to do in a wide variety of industries and companies so i think if you're a smart business no matter what industry you're in you will have some strategy or be using some tactics to tap into this talent pool as a non-traditional talent pool uh, but at the same time, yes, there are certain industries that are sometimes a better fit from a macro perspective for this population than others.
1: What secrets of the world have you discovered through working with um veterans
2: what uh what secrets of the world
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I know it's a weird question but it it's sort of derived from this uh i guess Peter Thiel idea that you know there are secrets in the world right and um you know, great businesses or, or brands or people are, are built upon the want to discover these secrets. So I'm just curious about uh,
3: yeah, the secrets that you
2: I love it. It's uh I think I think one of the secrets I've learned is that we we are all much more similar than we think. Um mm-hmm. and we all care about a lot more of the same things than we think. And you know when you uh you know especially in this day and age when when things are so politically divisive uh, if you take time to really listen to what people are thinking, we're not even having the same conversations in this country. And uh, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you a great example Um, and this has totally been lost in everybody, but you know, the, the, and, and I probably, you know, shouldn't be talking about this as somebody who's, who's a a business leader that's trying to to work with a, a, Lot of companies, but like I think that there are, are some things that are, are really important to talk about. So like if you take all the controversy over the NFL and whether people should stand or sit for for the national anthem, um, there's this amazing story that that has been lost in all of this, and that's that when Colin Kaepernick initially was protesting, he sat down, and a lot of people were really insulted by that, and he received a letter. From a guy named Nate Boyer, it's an NFL lineman, green beret, served in Afghanistan. Who said, "I lost friends in Afghanistan. This is this is insulting to their memory. Um, can we have a conversation?" And so Nate Boyer and Colin Kaepernick did something that, like, is, and I think this is one of the secrets of the world. They did something that too many of us are not doing, and that's that they actually met and they talked, and they agreed that kneeling. Was a sign of respect for the flag, one that Nate Boyer Green Beret who fought in Afghanistan and was an NFL lineman, you know, encouraged him to do. It was also a call of duress for the for the state of black men in America, and that it was a compromise. And then when you look at like at at at, at how that has been interpreted by everybody else, it's been lost because we're not listening to each other. And so I think if I think that's one of the secrets of the world. Um, that it's really, really important that we start opening our ears and stop putting people into boxes and assuming false motivations or assuming what people think or putting them into groups as conservative or liberal. Um, and I think that's been one of the uh, one of the biggest secrets that I've learned from being a part of this community because this community is so diverse and because when you have this shared experience uh, with folks, and you have folks that are very different from you in their beliefs, their religion, their backgrounds. Who you have pled with, uh, you start to learn that those things that we are letting divide us as a as a country, well, they're they're, they're, they're
3: sort of false false divisions. Wow. wow,
1: that's beautiful. Um, you know, you know, what that makes me think of it's not a question that I have, but it's. Maybe a observation with that um I think that really could be I- I- an interesting secret a- a- as especially as it relates to brands because you know i um you know, I spent some time in graduate school learning about brands, and one of the key things that they always said uh, which is kind of antithetical to a secret which is like a status quo um you know commonplace truth uh, or what's thought to be a truth is that brands have to be um incredibly polarizing, right? In order to be a great brand you have to be incredibly polarizing, right? And this is very interesting because uh listening and finding the middle ground is could be actually better, which is incredibly fascinating to me. So that's that's great. That's uh that's another great secret that i So um for you, who are your masters of brand or who are your masters of um design? We often talk about design on the podcast, but maybe product um, and what have you learned from them, or what what do you try to to apply from them? Maybe it's you know a lot of people say like Steve Jobs or something like that, but with you, I think it's going to be a little more interesting. Something.
2: Wow, there are folks that I've had the opportunity to learn from in my time in the the military, and so yeah. one of them is 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 my former battalion commander, a guy named Colonel Willie Buell, and <laughs> you know Colonel Buell. Is like a he's a second father to just about every man in our battalion. You know, there's about 1,200 of us that fought in Fallujah together. Colonel Buell was our battalion commander. When he retired from the military, we created a secret Facebook page that he didn't know about, called Sons of Willie. And we all posted stories about how Colonel Buell impacted our lives. And what was interesting reading those stories, are some of them were about him showing up late at night with a cigar you know, uh, to, you know, at some Marines position, you know, um, somewhere in Fallujah or outside the city. But there was also stories about what he had done for us since we got home, Um, ways that he had helped some of our, uh, the families of some of our fallen, ways that he stayed engaged. I mean, to this day, you know, Colonel Buell will ask me how some of my guys are doing, how Alvarado's doing, or how Martinez is doing, like, this is this you know I was under his command in two thousand four that was fourteen years ago, and I better know how those guys are doing um and I think it's you know to this day, I wouldn't want to let somebody like Colonel Buell down um but he also sort of set a standard right of of how you treat people, how you consistently show up, about um that leadership isn't about him being the battalion commander for 3rd Battalion, 1st Marines. And when he changes over command, he relinquishes that responsibility for somebody like Colonel Buell. That's a lifetime responsibility. And he's still our battalion commander, you know, I mean, and and all of us would follow him to this day. And I think it comes down to consistency and caring. And all of us know that he cares deeply about all of us. Um, And and I think that is. Uh. I think that's sort of the lesson is that you you have to care and you have to back up those promises that you're making.
1: Amazing. Now, um, when I was looking into yourself and when I was looking into uh, Grid North and the the kind of companies within Grid North, um, uh, I wrote down something that you said that I found very interesting, which is this idea of partnerships and alliances, not just in a business context where you, know, you might partner with one company or you might partner with another company um, or something like that. But more so uh, partnership, partnerships and alliances within networks, within communities, right, uh, which is obviously incredibly relevant um, to veterans and to, uh, you know, brands like Higher Purpose, right? Now, um, in what ways do you think brands... Uh, and product are changing in the digital age or communities that are changing in the digital age um, as it relates to partnerships and alliances, which in my opinion, I think, you know, communities like veterans that have such a strong bond are likely um, in a better position than others maybe because as uh, companies become more, uh, I guess, you know, uh, uh, modular as opposed to like a one rigid hierarchy um alliances are incredibly important right like i i I read a statistic somewhere that um you know people uh move from work to work job to job much more often than they used to so obviously having strong partnerships and alliances with coworkers or or other networks is incredibly important so that's sort of a long-winded way of asking you know what is your take on um partnerships and alliances in the digital age what remains um what will continue to to evolve So I think
2: for partnerships and alliances, it has to make business sense. And if it doesn't make business sense for both partners and there's an imbalance, it's not going to work out. Uh, With that said, I think it is critically important in this day and age. Uh, The the platforms that are winning today are all networks. And I think similarly, so we have a – there's another military website uh, called We Are the Mighty. And it's very easy for us to look at we're the mighty as a competitor, right? We serve somewhat of a, the similar audience. Um, we, uh, you know, and, and we could look at them as like, you know, the daily post, uh or the daily news versus a New York post, but instead, you know, we sort of try and really find opportunities to work together, to share each other's content, to tell each other's stories. We're now going to market with a uh, uh, way for brands to reach this community with exclusive access across our two platforms. So it would be very easy for both of us to go to a telecom company or an airline or a financial company that wants to reach this community and say, you know, work with us, don't work with them but if we go to a, as a united front to these brands and we say you know hey airline we're going to give you unique access to this community across our two sites you know, no other airline can get that just you um how much more valuable is that to the brand that we're working with and and then how much more valuable that is that to the two of us as opposed to us competing um and and so i think that there's And you see that today too. You see, um, you know, Vox and NBC Universal have formed this partnership around concert. Um, You know, their their ad network. And and I think that there's a lot of interesting ways that you can create partnerships with potential uh, competitors. um, And recognize that this is not a zero sum game. If we're the mighty is winning, that doesn't mean that we are losing. And if and vice versa. And that there are really truly effective win-win wins that you can create that are a win for the brand that we're working with and that are a win for both of us and that you can create a situation where that rising tide really does raise all ships.
1: Mm. That's such an interesting notion of like these non-zero sum games. Um do you mind digging a little bit more into that idea? Uh as I I just personally find that incredibly interesting as it's something that I I know and I I um I actively seek is to always play or try to play non-series home games as opposed to, you know, this idea of a winner and a loser. Um, And maybe that, I think that that's actually incredibly relevant in in this day and age where we have like abundance, you know, growing, or obviously growing abundance in a lot of different domains and industries. Um, And we can obviously play, non of some games and i don't think i think that's maybe another secret that a lot of people don't think about so would you mind um just thinking a little bit more into that and sort of what you mean um in the context of brand or uh anything like that really
2: sure so it's uh so for, it has to i think the, the hard part of it is it's it's really easy to sort of have like uh you know, uh, a land of, of, of unicorns and lollipops opinion of partnerships and working with others. And we're just going to go out there. We're going to work with everybody. And we, we believe in partnerships and that's, that's great. And that's warm and fuzzy. But at the end of the day, it, it, there has to be some thinking and design behind it. And each party really has to understand what the value is that they're creating and what the value is that they're getting out of it. And you know the the market is a wonderful, wonderful tool for helping and, and and using money as a way of sort of gauging that value, right? If if a brand is willing to pay more to be a part of that network, and we're the mighty, is going to earn more money from a partnership, and we are going to earn more money from a partnership, and that brand is going to get more buyers profit out of it, meaning that they are going to they're going to get something that they couldn't get if they were just working with one of us. Um, and so it's also more profitable for them. You've orchestrated something that's a true win-win-win. And and I think it's, it is a different way of thinking, you know, And in that we are by design, you know, we're creatures who were designed, you know, through evolution to exist in limited resource environments where you are competing for resources. And as you said, like, that's not where we are in this day and age. There is a, an abundance of information. There's an abundance of opportunity. And by partnering together, you can you can find ways to create more value for your customers and for your clients uh, out of those partnerships. And I think, you know, if there's if there's one thing that I've I've really learned in the last year of running a business is that, um, you know, profit for a business matters. Right. Cash flow is is your your lifeblood, but mm-hmm. there's two different types of profit there's buyer's profit and there's seller's profit. Seller's profit is I sell you a pizza, it cost me $8 to make the pizza, you buy it for 12 bucks, I've made 4 bucks. But how much did you make by buying that pizza from me? Right? It would have cost you 2 hours of your time, you know, and maybe you could earn $20 an hour. So it would have cost you 2 hours of time, that's $40, you know, then you would have had to go to the grocery store. Uh, you would have had to shop for ingredients that might have been another $15 you know so now that pizza costs you $55 Um, and then there's you know other costs into making that pizza so maybe that pizza would have cost you $60 to make but you bought it from us for 12. you've you've made $48 in buyer's profit by buying the pizza from us and I think when you start to think about these partnerships and whether it's one-to-one with a customer whether it's how you are displacing risk across different organizations, um, whether you're working with a potential competitor or collaborator, uh, it's interesting to think about both of those things um, and really understand the value that you're creating for all parties. Because if you don't do that, it's gonna fall apart. You're gonna lead to a situation where somebody um, is is not getting out of it what they should And, and then you truly are not in a, multi-sum game, you're in a zero-sum game.
1: What brands inspire
3: you and, and why? What products, brands or products?
2: I, uh, I love products that um, that you understand their story as soon as you see them. So like Thomas and Thomas Fly Rods. I've, I've loved Thomas and Thomas. I've, I've been a fly fisherman for most of my life, and I've always loved Thomas and Thomas Fly Rods. And you know they they now call themselves the the rod you will eventually own. It's it's a high quality rod. It's a little bit stiffer than the rest, so it's not as forgiving. So you really you have to know how to cast. You have to. It's sort of if you fish with a Thomas and Thomas fly fly rod, it means that you sort of are into the art of fly fishing in a different way. But I i when I when you look at their brand, I feel like within a moment you sort of really understand and get uh, what they what they stand for. Uh, I think um and that that's one that really speaks to me. I think another brand uh that that does a, a, a great job of this is Under Armour, you know, and, and and that they are sort of become like the ultimate challenger brand. I think in some ways Nike has sort of even though Nike started out as a challenger brand to Adidas and Puma, they've 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 in some ways they they've never lost that core essence of being a challenger brand. Um, I think, yeah, so those are, those are some examples that I give of, of ones that, that I like. And also, I think ones that, that are, um, that, that don't, that, that really are committed to excellence. There's a, a great surf school in Costa Rica called Surf Simply, and they have a remarkable coaching staff. It's the best surf school in the world, probably, but they don't need to be. They don't see just growing into a bigger organization is better. They limit each week. They only have like 10 people come down to stay at their camp in Costa Rica. They don't want to do more, but their apparel and their logos are perfect. And the content that they create online is well ex- executed. The podcast that they have is just a joy to listen to. And they've created these other elements that, and, and just in the, their name, Surf Simply, you know, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's sort of great advice for life that like, you know, find, you know, you know, think about simpler ways of doing things, whether it's your business or whether it's the time that you're spending with your family. Like it doesn't, you don't need to overcomplicate things.
3: Amazing. Um, Now, uh,
1: so this is really the last uh, formal question. And then I I just want to go into like a quick fire sort of um, stream of consciousness. Uh, section. Um, so, the last uh, question is, given the chance to improve your knowledge of brand building or product, or in this case, I will also say maybe community building, um, who would you share a spaceship with? Uh, so, you're going to Mars, so it's just going to be you two for a while, and uh, who would you choose in order to understand how they approach brand or product or community building, and why?
2: Do they have to be somebody who is uh somebody who's living?
1: No, they can be dead. They can be dead. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, uh,
2: I I would I would love to spend time on on this spaceship with um somebody like a uh a, a Teddy Roosevelt or an Alexander Hamilton or Martin Luther King. Um somebody who has who has not just built a personal brand but built um built organizations or built countries or have legacies that have have existed well past their time and thinking about like how you build a something that is is really built to last um and that's a movement and how they thought about it in a time when they didn't have access to the communication tools that we have today
3: hmm that's incredibly interesting what what do
1: you just like that's very interesting so out of personal curiosity what um what would you assume or how like uh, in, in in regards to the last bit boat, uh without the digital tools that we have or the broadcasting tools that we have today um wh- why do you think they were able their message was able to spread um, virally, for lack of a better word, in, the, in a more analog world? You know,
2: I think that, that some of it had to have been the people that they were working with. Uh, I think some of it was that they were masters of the communication channels of their day. I think mm-hmm. some of it, uh, and I think a big part of it, was they, they stood for something. Um mm-hmm but it's it's one thing to stand for something. it's another thing to stand for something and actually be effective um and actually have that that build into a movement and I'd be incredibly curious about how they thought about that because it wasn't it wasn't just magic right there there was there was effort and there was thought and and um and discipline that was put into creating their their movement and creating their legacy and i'd be incredibly interested to to learn about how they thought through those those issues.
1: Hmm. Okay, so now i'm just going to get into this quick fire or sort of stream of consciousness section. So i'm just going to say a word or a phrase and i just want to know the first thing that comes to your mind. Sound good?
3: Sure, let's do it. Okay, so when i say culture, you think values. When I say community, you think? Community. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and now um, brands of the past are? Community builders, uh, thoughtful, um, kept promises. Brands today are?
2: focused on conversion and what you can do for me.
3: Brands in the future need to?
2: Be more focused on building community, uh, being more focused on the top of the funnel.
1: Zach, thank you so much for taking your time. It was, it was excellent.
2: Yeah, this is wonderful. Thank you, and uh, I really appreciate it.
1: And now uh if you'd like to tell uh, people or the people listening, you know, where they can find out about more about you or grid north or higher purpose or how they can get involved um or anything that you have coming up. Is there anything that you would like to share?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You can find us at grid north, g R I D North dot com, uh for higher purpose. That's H I R E purpose dot com if you're looking to hire veterans. And I encourage you to become a reader of Task and Purpose, taskpurpos Uh And uh, look forward to hearing from everybody. And again, thank you for the time today. This has been a, a wonderful conversation.
0: Okay, so there you have it. That was a great episode. Um, thank you to Zach for being on the show. Thank you to yourself for listening this far. Um, stay tuned. A lot of great guests coming up and... Um, Yeah, have a great day and thank you again so much for your time and your attention.